Hollywood Hoop Dreams aren't only made from magic, they also come in the form of original podcasts from the Hoop Ball Network. So if you're the Lakers zooming out, are you tempted to bring back DeMarcus Cousins in the playoffs? And do you disrupt the dynamic at that point if he's healthy enough to play? Join Ethan, JC, and the thriving Lakers community around the world to talk about all things Lakers. The Lakers this season has come to expect of this team is consistent winning. That is something we have not been able to say since I've seen Andrew Bynum in a Lakers uniform. The show is available everywhere pods are found and you can follow the show on twitter at hoopball lakers the following is a hoopball presentation ladies and gentlemen y'all have a happy corbin in the house today Yo, 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 and welcome to another edition of NBA Today, a playoff edition. Again, it's so lovely to say that. Of NBA Today, I'm your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me at CorbinNBA on Twitter. Check out the lovely folks at HoopBall. I say this every day. At Hoop-Ball.com. Online. www, whatever the case may be. Hoop-Ball.com. And on Twitter, at HoopBallTweets. There are a plethora of podcasts, fantasy NBA content, general NBA content for you to listen to, to read, to just enjoy um, to your heart's content, and I highly advise you to do so. So, again, hoop-ball.com and at hoopballtweets. And please, y'all, if y'all you know, can spare me 60 seconds, I try not to ask for much, spare me 60 seconds of y'all time, rate, review on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate that. That really helps me out. That helps this podcast. That helps hoop ball in general, all in a positive um, direction. And I need that. It, it will be great. So make sure that you rate, review, subscribe, all those good things. I really would appreciate that. All right. Now, as to why I am so happy. I mean, come on. It's obvious. My Lakers won. My Lakers blew out the Portland Trailblazers in a game that I was really hopeful to see after being, you know, just through the ringer in such a dispiriting loss it was important to see how LA would respond remember they went 5 of 32 from 3 they just had no kind of offensive synchronization their defense was solid enough but not solid down the stretch you know how would they bounce back well from the opening tip the Lakers were aggressive they were beating the Blazers loose balls they were pounding on the glass they were attacking with purpose they were forcing the Blazers into a running game into the Lakers style of game they took control early and never really looked back Anthony Davis alone had 31 points and 11 rebounds. He put on a clinic in the third quarter. Lakers beat the Blazers 111-88. to LeBron didn't even have to do much. He had 10 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists, and 6 turnovers, which is curious, but he played well. It definitely wasn't as 23 points, 17 rebounds, and 16 assists from Game 1, but the dude's 35, like, cut him some slack, especially when the rest of the Lakers are playing so well. And aside from AD, who just going to give a, a momentary shout-out to, because, again, this dude was on fire. 13 of 21 from the field, 3 of 4 from the great beyond. Um, he was just all over the place. 11 rebounds, had had a couple of assists. I mean, the guy, the guy was everywhere. The guy was everywhere. He made his impact. He made his mark all over the court. JaVale McGee played well. He was an unsung hero. It's not going to show on the box scores. 10 points and 8 rebounds. But he kept so many possessions alive. 
two or three of his tip-outs resulted in back-breaking three-pointers for the Lakers, and that was key. Contavious Caldwell-Pope was another big hero in this game, 16 points, 5-8 from the field, 4-6 from three, definitely rediscovered his shot, and that was important. Jarrett Smith got 11, minute, 11 points in 20 minutes of, of garbage time. Deion Waiters got some garbage time. Quinn Cook, Jerry Dudley, everyone on the roster played, and everyone with the exception of Dudley, who badly missed a three-pointer, scored. So, I mean, that just goes to show you how much of a game it really was in the late stretches. Um, Danny Green... <sighs> Danny Green hasn't found a shot yet. Uh, 21 minutes. Didn't really need to play that much. Again, the Lakers took control and, and, and didn't relinquish it, but three points on one of six shooting, one of four from the great beyond. He needs to rediscover his shot. On the bright side, he did have four steals. He was a lot more engaged and active defensively, and the Lakers in general are blitzing Damian Lillard from the very beginning, boxing him in, forcing him to give the ball up a little early, and he was a big part of that. Um, speaking of Damian Lillard, he actually sustained a dislocated left index finger um, later in the third quarter. His, he basically reached in for a steal from AD from behind. He missed it, and his hand connected with Anthony Davis's back heel of his foot. I mean, that's a huge foot, I'm sure, and that impact just dislocated. looked very nasty. Um, and so he exited the game after 30 minutes, and he would not return. He scored 18 points, was held of 1-7 from 3, uh, had 3 assists and th uh, three rebounds and 1 assist, but that was really it for him. McCollum, 13 points, didn't bring too much. And aside from that, as a general rule, that was it for the Blazers. The only person else in double figures aside from the backcourt of the Blazers was Anthony Simons, who did get some minutes as the Blazers went smaller to kind of counteract the Lakers with some more skilled shot makers from smaller positions. He had 11 points, but some of that, to be honest, was in garbage time. <laughs> Yusuf Nurkic, 9 points, 8 rebounds. Hassan Whiteside was definitely a lot more or a lot less effective than he was in Game 1. 6 points and 9 rebounds. And then Melo had 2 points on 1-6 shooting. Wenyan Gabriel had seven points, but some of that was in garbage time. It just wasn't great for the Blazers. The Lakers held them to 40% from the field shooting. Um, uh, overall, the Blazers made just eight of 29 threes. It, it was great defense for the Lakers, who had a lead 88 to 58 after the third quarter and led by 32 points overall. And the fourth quarter was just extended time for some young guys at the end of the bench to get some minutes or some vets at the Lakers' side to get some minutes. But the game was really over in three quarters. What a resounding victory for L.A. All right, y'all, say it with me now. Sports are back. Been waiting for this day since March. Now it's here. I got two things on my mind. One is how great the Lakers play. The second is my bookie. My bookie's amazing. Just got to say it. It's amazing. All the great things, the sports that you like, all wrapped up. I love it, you love it. That should be all you need to hear in order to start betting today. My bookie's up to the minute. Odds on all your favorite teams. NBA playoffs are here right now. I can't imagine a better time to start playing. So try it. With my bookie, it's that easy. You bet, you win, they pay. Thinking about baseball, if you feel good about your MLB team's chances this year, check out my bookie's World Series future bets. Nothing shows you believing your squad more than betting on them before the season's even begun. To bring it to basketball, that's what I've done with my Lakers all the time, but you don't have to do baseball, you don't have to just do basketball, you can also do hockey, football, online sports betting, my bookie has it all. Join today, my bookie will match your deposit 100%, 100, plus they'll toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. All you gotta do is enter promo code HOOPBALL, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L -L when signing up. That's HOOPBALL, H-O-O-P, HOOPBALL, B-A-L-L, -L, all together when signing up. Remember, at my bookie, the terms are simple, you bet, you win, they pay. I gave a lot of time to the Lakers blow over the Blazers. Well, a couple minutes because, you know, I, I'm a Lakers fan. I'm not trying to hide that. Y'all know that. I'm not going to give as much time to the next pair of blowouts that transpired. 
Uh, number one, the number one seed of Bucks restored order over the Orlando Magic, being them 111 to 96. They shut down Orlando with the exception of Nikola Vucevic um, entirely. It was insane. They led behind Giannis Antetokounmpo, who had 28 points and 20 rebounds. A monster performance from him. Milwaukee had a fast start, and they just parlayed that into an easy victory. It wasn't even close. It was definitely their bounce-back game for the Bucks. As Giannis said afterwards, there's an urgency. He's not saying there's a fear factor, but there's an opportunity to be urgent. Um, they built a 23-point lead in the first half. Orlando did fight, brought it down to within 9 of the fourth quarter. But aside from that, it was over. They shut Orlando down entirely. Orlando had no points in the paint for the entire first quarter and went nearly eight minutes without a basket during the first half. It was rough. Um, Brooke Lopez chipped in with 20. Pat Connaughton had 15 points on 5 of 8 from 3. Eric Bledsoe had 13. Dante DiVincenzo added 11. Uh, Vucevic again played strong, like I mentioned. Had a 35-point effort in Game 1. Followed up with 32. Nobody else in the Magic scored over 12 points. And honestly, Vucevic is the one matchup issue for the Bucks, as I mentioned before, because he's someone who can beat you from the inside, but he can also stretch you from out. And that's something where the Bucks' defense is not really designed to mitigate those strengths from shooting centers. They haven't had to deal with that a heck of a lot. You know, Marcus has not been doing it. Bam Adebayo's not a three-point shooter like that. I mean, Daniel Tice can, but I mean... He's not shooting from that volume. So there's other examples. Joel Embiid, a small volume. But basically, the Bucks' defense is designed, okay, you want to take those shots, take those shots, but we'll, we'll take our averages there. And to be fair, Vucevic only shot two of eight from three. But even just making those two and a bunch of the other mid-range jumpers he took, alongside just finishing around the basket and being as skilled and polished as he is, he's a very good player. Um, and he showed that. Someone who's not a good player, in my opinion, at least in the postseason, is Evan Fournier, who... Another dud of a game. He just seems to have these come playoff time. 30% shooting, 16% from three, three rebounds, two assists, basically trash. 35 minutes, 12 points for him. Um, I already mentioned everyone else didn't have 12 points. You can imagine how ugly he got. Um, Markel Fultz had 11 on 11 shots, but he knocked down a three. Uh, had a couple of assists, but those were hard to come by. Unless we were DJ Augustine, who had 10 and 5 off the bench. 10 points, 5 assists. But that was really it for Orlando. And we already mentioned the glory days of Milwaukee and all the, the guys who stacked up points there. Uh, Pat Connaughton was big. Kyle Corver knocked down threes. Just crazy sequence for him. Um, knocking down one with the black guy. It's just insane. I mean, the guy's the guy's great. You know who wasn't great from Milwaukee, though? You know who wasn't great? And he's really starting to mess me up because I was talking a lot about how dominant the Bucks are, and yes, they are, and how big a part this guy is of that. And that is one Chris Middleton, who played 30 minutes and gave you two points. Two points. Now, you could say, hey, there was bounce scoring across the rest of the roster. You know, five different players in double digits. That's great. One person on the cusp of that with Kyle Korver at nine. That's great. You know, two of those guys, 20 or more in Brooke Lopez and Giannis. That's amazing. But two points on one of eight shooting, 0-4 from three. Didn't get to the free throw line. Five rebounds and six assists are great, but the four turnovers kind of take a little bit of that away. It just wasn't a great game for Mills. It's the second straight game that it wasn't good for him. Hopefully... He can rebound off of that and uh, give another strong performance in the playoffs because he kind of needs that. He just does. Giannis is going to need that support. You need someone that's going to be able to go in and take advantage of the attention that Giannis is going to get and other guys who can't reliably create offense for themselves or if he's shooters or are both on the Milwaukee roster. Very good team, but they have a very specific set of skills and Chris Middleton helps unlock some of that for Milwaukee. So that's all I got to say about that. I just thought it was interesting and something that... Uh, 
may need to be watched out moving forward because this seems to be a startling trend for Middleton, at least in some games I've witnessed in the postseason. I'm not going to pretend like I know the book on Chris Middleton in the playoffs. He's hit some big shots there, but he's also had some duds, and you know where the Bucks are right now, they can't really afford duds. Maybe in the first round, but you know what I mean. Later in the playoffs, stiffer competition, just can't have that. All right, moving on to the Thunder, Oklahoma City, and the Houston Rockets. Rockets beat the Thunder 111-98 in a game that was really close right up until around the third quarter. Rockets set a NBA playoff record, really just an NBA record, 56 three-point attempts. Playoffs, 56 three-point attempts. They knocked down 19 of them. They actually won, though, if you ask me, with the way that they played defense because they were tight the entire time. Uh, Russell Westbrook did not play again with a right quad strain, but plenty of other Houston players picked up the slack. One was Austin Rivers, who crossed up Chris Paul early in the ha- first half of the game and then came through with a monster yam on him, yo. He just he just jammed all over them. It, it was solid. Um, for the record, Austin Rivers <laughs> featured score. 4 of 10 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3, 4 rebounds, 3 assists. But that's not to take away from the way that he played. He played well. Just, I told you I was going to keep giving slander until Austin Rivers dropped another game that was worthy of featured score. And I'm sorry, 11 points isn't doing it. <laughs> Daniel House, though, was the hero for the Rockets. Yeah, James Harden's got to get some credit. 21 points, you know, 5 rebounds, 9 assists. Good looking box score numbers. But he did it on 5 of 16 from the field, 2 of 11 from 3. He knocked down all 9 of his free throws, but. Daniel House, like I said, was the real hero. Played very strong all the way through. 19 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists, knocked down 3 threes, played great defense, was all over the place. P.J. Tucker, same thing, 14 points, knocked on all four of his threes. Robert Covington played well, a little bit of a bounce-back game for him. Three steals for him, uh, a block, 10 points, two threes, solid all around. Jeff Green with the second straight strong game for Houston, and honestly, Jeff Green's been great since he's been in Houston, if we're being completely honest. 15 points, 6 of 11 from the field, knocked down 3 threes, had 7 rebounds, and you know, you had the help of Ben McLemore off the bench as well, with uh, two timely threes. So, all in all, the Rockets did a concerted team effort to to really take down the Thunder, who had a bounce-back game from one, and, and a regressed game from another. Shea Gilgis Alexander was the guy who had a bounce-back game in a major way, 31 points in 37 minutes, 6 rebounds, 2 assists, 50% from the field, 3 three-pointers knocked down, just wasn't enough. Chris Paul slumped just a little bit in 36 minutes, had 14 points, 6 of 15 from the field. He had 6 rebounds and 2 assists, but especially at a time when, you know, down to stretch, the Kings, or not the Kings, excuse me here, the the Rockets were taking charge and the Thunder need to kind of come back and take advantage of the situation of, you know, Houston's going on a run, let's make some shots, let's restore order, they just didn't do that. Uh, they left Eugene Stort open a lot, Eugene Stort did return from that uh, knee injury he had suffered, he played 25 minutes, went 2 a from 3, and it was interesting, because he knocked down 2, but the Rockets were just leaving him all the way lonely, like, stay by yourself, man, you want to take those shots, you can take those shots, we'll give you the shots, enjoy those shots, take those shots, right, and they were conceding them. To door and you know three attempt from the field to eight from three he 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 didn't uh make them really worry about that it almost reminded me a lot of the Rockets Thunder matchup from 2017 when remember Russell Westbrook was on the triple double rage and the Rockets dispatched the Thunder 
because they basically played Andre Roberson the exact same way that they played Dort tonight. Leave him open. You want to take the shots, okay. You make a couple, that's fine, but we'll live with the averages. That's kind of what happened there. Danilo Gallinari had 17 points. Steven Adams, oh man, Steven Adams, so big, so strong, so dominant, but the stat lines just didn't show it, especially against the Mighty Might Rockets, the Pocket Rockets, as they're called. Eight points, 11 rebounds, three assists, four or four for the field, made everything, just didn't take more. Uh, Dennis Schroeder off the bench, 13 points, five rebounds, five assists, good-looking numbers for him, and that was really all they wrote for the Thunder, who need to bounce back in a major way. It just didn't happen for them. Uh, Oklahoma had led 80-77 to in the third quarter. The Rockets broke away on a 17-0 run, mostly with Harden on the bench, very similar to when Doncic was on the bench for the uh, for the Mavericks yesterday against the Clippers, where the bench kind of came to play, held it together, held the team down, and sustained a strong performance all around. Uh, Chris Paul took the blame on himself. He said he just got to do more. He got to do better straight up. It's that simple. That run that happened to begin the fourth quarter, it can't happen. They've got to be better. He's got to be better. And, you know, that's true. Uh, as for the Rockets and their three-point shooting, one funny stat, they made eight of 16 threes in the first quarter. They got up 16 threes in the first quarter alone. Then they went two of 19 in the second quarter. They giveth, they taketh away, that three-point shot. They know. Didn't they miss 27? <laughs> they know. Uh, the Thunder, meanwhile, had nine turnovers in the third quarter. That was horrific. Um... Remember I said Steven Adams had those 8 points and 11 rebounds, made all 4 of his shots? I forgot to mention, they were all in the first half. So, yeah, fun fun stuff. Fun stuff. Um, game 3 is on Saturday. We'll kind of see how that goes down. But that's really all we have for the Thunder and the Rockets. In a series that I was hoping would be a lot tighter, and this first half kind of delivered it. Then afterwards it just kind of fell apart for OKC. Hopefully they can bounce back and there's something to be said um, for how they can perform moving forward. Meanwhile, I'll be watching the Rockets intently, not only to see how they play without Russell, but also hoping that Russell comes back because the bench play that the Rockets are sustaining right now is very good. Their defense has been the best they probably played all year, and I'm really, really loving the impact that Jeff Green is having. I cannot say it enough. Jeff Green's one of those guys, as NBA fans all know, he looks like a star once in a blue moon. Other times, he looks like Jeff Green. But when he looks like a star, oh my goodness, he looks like an absolute star. And right now, he just looks like a very decent Jeff Green. And honestly, if that is the new mean, if he's if, if that is what it's going to be now, that's not the worst thing in the world at all. It really isn't. Ooh, sorry about that. Dealing with the storm. And yeah, it's, it's crazy out here. Arizona, monsoon season. So the wind, you know, it's coming. The rain is howling. And then my windows decided to give, and I had to kind of deal with that real quick. So, uh, just a little taking you out of the NBA zone into Corbin's world. In case anybody out there was wondering how Corbin's doing. He's doing just fine. Just kind of rainy out there. Like muggy rainy though. You know, because Arizona's hot as I don't know what. So it's like a very brisk 98 degrees with the muggy rain. At 10 at night. If that's setting the tone or setting the stage for your audio experience. It's, it's very fun. So apologize for any sound disruption there. Just had to rewrite my curtains you know because the wind is playing no games all right anyways moving right along to miami versus indiana this was the one close game of the day the pacers just couldn't stop duncan robinson duncan robinson hit his first six threes which also happened to be his first six shots in general finished 24 the Heat beat the Pacers 109-100, to took a great 2-0 lead, a dominant 2-0 lead over a Pacers team that 
you know, they've been playing a little bit better. They have, they had uh, Victor Oladipo back. Remember that eye injury that was that looked pretty rough. He came back, uh, gave twenty-two, uh, gave thirty-six minutes, twenty-two points, uh, one rebound, four assists. Didn't look super comfortable. Five fourteen from the field, four of eleven from three. Just in general, he's not the go-to guy right now, and that's the thing for the Pacers. They don't really have that. T.J. Warren's probably the closest approximation of that. Fourteen points. Missed all five of his threes. Six rebounds, three assists. The numbers look okay. Aaron Holiday played well. 12 points, uh, five assists. Miles Turner was really the star for the Pacers tonight. Was starting to be a lot more aggressive with the shot. Nearly went perfect from the field. Seven, eight all, seven of eight in all. Uh, eight rebounds as well. But they're just not getting enough. Malcolm Brogdon, 4-14 from the field. You know, and then off the bench, Justin Holiday with six. Jakar Sampson with eight. TJ McCollum with two, McConnell, excuse me, with two, and that's pretty much all they wrote on that. Um, and a lot of it was the same defense and the same tracking that Edmund Summers and others did to Duncan Robinson in game one. They just seemed to kind of slack off in game two. And that's why Duncan Robinson went for seven to eight from three for 24 points. He also tossed in two rebounds and two assists, but they got help from other places too. Jimmy Butler, again, after not hitting a three from March, hit those two for two in game one. He went two from three in game two. Jay Crowder tossed in 10. Goran Dragic still playing strong this year. 20 points, 6 assists as well. Off the bench, Tyler Hero. Wasn't a hero from shooting, going 20% from the field, but he had 15 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists. Heroic-looking stat line. That's the last time I'll try that hero term again. Uh, Andre Godala gave you Andre Godala game. 7 points, 3 or 4 from the field, 2 rebounds, 1 assist. Old man Andre, what you gonna do? Um, and that's the question for the Pacers. What are they going to do at this point? Because I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm i not sure Victor Oladipo right now I don't think can be relied upon to provide what the Pacers need as far as a key person to go to in general. Um, the, the Pacers were the NBA's third best three-point shooting team during the season. They went 12 of 34 from out there um, in the paint. They did take advantage of Miami, outscoring them 40-34, to 34, but they just didn't do it consistently enough, you know? And that was rough for them. And and ultimately, it was a close game. Like I said, Indiana led 24-22 at the end of the first quarter. Then they, le- then they led 39-38 with 3.43 left in the second off of a jumper by TJ Warren. And believe it or not, that was the last time that they would lead for the rest of the game. By halftime, Miami led 51-46. By the middle of the third, Miami led 79-63. And although Indiana tried chip away, chip away, chip away, they couldn't get closer than eighth, eight in the fourth quarter, and they lost by nine. You know, I hope that they can come through with an inspired performance when they get back to Indiana. Oh, wait. Exactly. Um, but I hope they can come back and make it more of a series. I really do. Um, it, it sucks to see a team like Indiana with a player like Victor Oladipo banged up with DeMontis Sabonis not being there. You know, a scrappy team like they are, where they're the sum of their parts, you know, and they're not able to come together and pull out a win, it's rough. But Miami right now, they're just more talented. It is probably as simple as that um, at the end of the day. If everyone was at optimal health, if we had a fully healthy Victor Oladipo, then that'd be a different story. But to be completely fair, we haven't had a truly healthy Victor Oladipo, in my opinion, since he first got injured. And that's just the sad truth of it all. All right. Well, that was Glum. Sorry about that. Moving on. Today's games. Got another four. Same group that we did two days ago. Raptors versus Nets, 1.30 p.m., the NBA TV special. Then you have Denver Nuggets versus Utah Jazz at four. 
There's the TNT slated games. You have Boston Celtics versus Philadelphia 76ers, where the 76ers will go down 3-0. <laughs> That'll be at 6:30. And then last but not least, basically the big ticket game in my opinion of the evening: the LA Clippers versus the Dallas Mavericks. This series is tied one to one. Happens at nine. By the way, if we're giving a brief rundown, Toronto's up 2-0, Boston's up 2-0, Nuggets and Jazz are tied, Clippers and Mavericks are tied, and that's pretty much all it is for that. Um, as far as Twitter happenings, not much going on in the wild world of Twitter that's that's crazy. The draft lottery happened, I don't know how I almost forgot that. Ugh, crazy, crazy, right? I was over there hoping that the Suns would slip up and, and, and take, uh, you know, shock the world, take a top five finish, but... They were mostly projected to have the 10th pick, and that's kind of where they stood. Let's just kind of go over the draft order here. And remember, they're all fighting for the right to take either Lamella Ball, uh, James Wiseman, or my own personal favorite, Anthony Edwards. You know, in a draft that we're going to talk about later for sure, but isn't one that... Uh, let's just say there, there, there's not one clear top number one. The whole draft has has question marks. We're going to get to that another time, like I mentioned. But let's just run down. At 14, the Celtics have that pick. 13th is the New Orleans Pelicans. 12th is the Sacramento Kings. 11th, the San Antonio Spurs. 10th, my aforementioned Phoenix Suns. 9th, the Washington Wizards. 8th, and this is sad for Knicks fans, the New York Knicks. 7th, the Detroit Pistons. 6th, the Atlanta Hawks. 5th, the Cleveland Cavaliers fourth, the Chicago Bulls, and then we got to money time, where it's Devontae Graham's Hornets, <laughs> Steph Curry's Warriors, or D'Angelo Russell's Minnesota Timberwolves. Speaking of that, three were the Hornets, two were the Warriors, and one was the Timberwolves, and that is your order, with the Timberwolves having the number one selection in the 2020 NBA Draft. Very interesting to see how that unfolds. I'm excited to see where the Timberwolves target having a point guard in D'Angelo Russell in a draft where a point guard in LaMelo Ball is one of the top projected picks to be had. Uh, this was a joke on Twitter. I'm not taking credit for it, but they basically said that, you know, <laughs> this would be the second time that D'Angelo Russell was on a team that drafted a ball to succeed him. <laughs> I just thought that was kind of kind of funny, kind of corny, but kind of funny. So that happened. Um, we'll see where they go. I know Golden State, this is funny, Bob Myers had said, um, this is through ESPN, that if they were to get the first pick, that they were looking to shop it for an impact player so they could win now. I thought that was very interesting. They're not looking for the next great Warriors team that's outside the core they have right now. With Steph Curry, with Klay Thompson, with Draymond Green, all coming back, all being healthy, picking up another solid player. You could throw in Anthony, Anthony uh, Andrew Wiggins along with that. They're looking for another impact player. I thought that was interesting because I figured that they would you know, draft... Anthony Edwards or someone. I didn't think James Wiseman just because the Warriors don't seem too interested in having any big name bigs. Just do your role, screen roll, rebound, play good D, kind of fill in the gaps where you will there. But the fact they're going to be shopping that pick, that makes it interesting. And is it less valuable as number two now? Will another team be a little more hesitant to relinquish an option or, or player package to the Warriors? And, and what player are they targeting? Would it be like a Bradley Beal type? Cyclade to the three? Steph at the one, Draymond at the four. That's interesting, right? I have to do some more research to see what kind of players would even be on the market available, but it is interesting that the Warriors are being so aggressive in that regard. 
we'll have to see what happens. As far as Charlotte, I'm glad they get another young player to kind of build with their core, really to be more of the centerpiece moving forward, uh, depending on how you feel about, you know, Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier, um, Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, the others. The Bulls are going to be the Bulls and the Knicks, man. I feel so, so sorry for the Knicks. <laughs> and that's all I got, y'all. It's been great sitting here being able to talk with y'all. Again, make sure to follow me at CorbinNBA. Please, please, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to NBA Today. I will greatly appreciate it. Y'all want me to leave a thank you note, a birthday note, whatever y'all want me to do, I'll do it on Twitter for y'all. You can follow my Instagram, NBA Barbarian. Why not? It's just for giggles, right? Check me out. I'm, I, I can do a voicemail. I don't know. I'll start a Patreon. Just, 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 just please rate, review, and subscribe. I would really appreciate that. Follow the great folks at Hoopball, hoop-ball.com, and at Hoopball Tweets on Twitter. Check out all the great work. You have several different team podcasts, and with many of the teams in the playoffs, you can check out the Hoopball Mavs podcast. Got a good buddy over there. Got buddies on Hoopball Clippers. I mean, I was going to name drop people, but I'm already rolling here and here. So we're going to keep it moving. But y'all stay frosty, and I'll talk to y'all real soon. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.